Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this special edition mm, mm, of the mm. show. We have reached another mountaintop, Dominic. Episode 200 is here. Wow. Um, nothing too special today. It's just another preview episode. That's the way we do things around here. True. We'll save, we'll save the real milestones for later, but still Dominic, I'm proud of us. We, we've stayed committed. We've, we've, we've stayed the course. I think as they say, yep. we've weathered some storms, but we've always bounced back and here we are episode 200. Got a little bit of fight talk, UFC, PFL. Got a lot of news behind the scenes kind of stuff going on right now. John Jones, Stipe still <laughs> unraveling before yeah. our eyes. Uh, some good fight <clears throat> announcements and more. But before we just get right into it, Dominic, I know you had something prepared to say for the audience for episode 200. So I wanted to let you give your statement. Yeah, just it's just a huge thank you, right? I mean, I feel like just yesterday we started our video podcast. We just had episode one hundred, and here we are, a little under, almost a whole year uh, to get to another hundred more episode two hundred in the books. And we're just going to keep climbing all the way to episode three, four, five, six. You know the whole spiel. But uh, seriously, thank you guys for all the support. If you're new, welcome. If you're an OG, we're proud to have you. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get this kicked off. It's going to be a good weekend worth of fights. Episode two hundred celebration's over it's time to talk some violence yeah and the crazy thing about it dom is that you know we address everyone as as an as a as an individual unit here the the viewers the the joey community as we as we like to say and you know even for guys like us we we've accumulated about a little over 100 subscribers you know we got near that and, and audio listeners through spotify apple all that um but I, I can speak for myself, and I maybe you feel similar. Some of my favorite podcasts, Dom, um, it comes in waves. It comes right. in seasons. It's, you know, I don't listen to even my favorite podcast. I don't listen to every new piece of content they put out. You know, it's there's some times where maybe I'm just not really feeling like, you know, giving an hour of my time to it. Yeah. I just can't do it. So, you know, you have a really special connection to something when you are able to give that time when you make it a priority to listen to that every day, whether it's from your drives home uh, or drives to and from work or during your workouts or while you're cooking, cleaning around the house, while you're at work, yeah. things like that. So that's been our kind of goal here. We've been just trying to uh, connect with those average fans, you know, hardcore fans, but those, you know, we're not, we're not appealing to, you know, some super sophisticated, super elaborate X's and O's mm-hmm. type deal here. You know, right. we, we are guys that have never trained before, but we just love violence. <laughs> Simply put. We, we love legal violence and, yes. and anything MMA. And, and, you know, we just appreciate the people who maybe have sort of off and on followed us from day one or guys that have popped up when we became video or even those that might've just started listening last week. Um, we don't really know the difference. I'd like to hear if anybody's kind of yeah. around here for a while. You know, we, we've, we've accumulated a lot of subscribers in that first week. And yeah. obviously now it's been probably our biggest growth since then. So yeah. it's kind of crazy how it's been like a full circle moment, episode 200, all that. And uh, yeah, just, wanted to kind of say that but uh yeah still appreciate anybody who listens no matter when they popped up but yeah dominic i think uh i think the pats on the back and all that that we're done with that it's time for the fight talk let's let's get into ufc vegas 53 here we go oh there we go oh it went off hold on here we go there it is here we go it's 53 right yes you're right okay rob font Versus Marlon Barra, two top ten bantamweights go head to head. Probably, you know, we've we've got this stretch here of uh, I'm going to call the last three fight nights just kind of eh, like they're kind of meh fight cards yeah. uh, as a whole uh, going in. Obviously, right. we've right. had the first one, uh, Muhammad versus Luke. Terrible. Not card. great. Yeah, yeah. Then we followed it up with Andrade Lemos, and that card was great. 
Yeah. So we'll see what happens here. But out of all three main events, I would say this is the most intriguing main event, in my opinion. It's a fresh matchup, which kind of gives it the edge over Muhammad Luke. And I think it's a overall more interesting and competitive bout than what Andrade Lemos uh, presented to me at the time. Um, Rob Font, he's a guy that's risen through the, risen through the ranks through the last couple of years. Kind of did it while people were still sleeping on him. I mean, he's he's in his third main event, though, now, Dom. So yeah. People more than ever are aware of Rob Font. He's got wins over Cody Garbrandt and uh, Marlon Marais and guys like that. He's put those guys away on his route to his second main event, which was against Jose Aldo, and he got kind of outclassed. Yeah. You know, he, this is Rob Font, a guy who prides himself on his boxing ability, and ultimately Jose Aldo, despite – what you guys may think about him. Maybe he's not the Jose Aldo that was ruling the featherweight division, but that guy is still dangerous, still one of the best fighters in the world, and he showed it that night. So Rob Font looking for a bounce back here, and he's going head-to-head with Marlon Chito Vera, and these guys have completely different routes to getting to this point, but what I like about it is they both had to really grind to get there. Yes. Both, both completely appealed to the nothing given, everything earned mantra. And for Marlon Vera, it came with some, you know, controversy. The Sean O'Malley fight, he was pretty much expected to be a stepping stone for Sean O'Malley, who was a big prospect, still is. And Marlon Vera said, I'm no stepping stone, and kind of took it to him. Uh, finished the fight in the first round, of course. There's the, the, the rolled ankle that right. you can argue was it caused by the the leg kicks or was it, you know, just a freak accident? But either way, Marlon Vera gets a win there. He also fell short against Jose Aldo, so both guys in fights with Aldo kind of falling short, and ultimately that's been kind of the the thing that's held them to this point here. But this is Marlon Vera's first main event, Dominic. Yep. So that's definitely going to play a factor here. How do you see that? Uh, playing a role here. Five rounds for the first time for Marlon Vera versus a guy like Rob Font who has at least done it a few times even if he's had one win, one loss up to this point. Yeah, it matters, man. I mean, especially when, like you said, Rob Font has had two previous. Both went the full 25 minutes. So he's got 50 minutes worth of experience, you know, under his belt, back-to-back. You know, this is three straight main events. Uh, And for Vera, like you said, it's his first one. Yes, we've seen him go the distance in three-round fights. Uh, But that extra 10 minutes is a game changer, man. So that could very much play a factor. This is such an intriguing fight. Both these guys came into the UFC back in 2014. And you said it best, scratch, claw, grinded their way up into the top 10 now, number five versus number eight. Arlen Vera been a slightly more active during that time. He's a 12 and six in the UFC, Rob Font nine and four. But both guys, like you said, the scratching and clawing, but almost two just under the radar and here they are they kind of just appeared into the top 10 you know i mean vera had the big win over sugar sean and yes it came with some controversy but that was like the first thing that put him into the eyes of a lot Mm -hmm. of fans was that win and for rob font probably the marlon marais one was the biggest one that got him up to that stage was that before cody garbrandt that was before cody yeah he beat marlon then got the cody fight so i'd say that's kind of when it took off for him as well so now both guys, it's very much earned. I think it's a great spot to be in a main event. Big implications. Rob Font looking to bounce back. Vera looking to make it three wins in a row. Coming off of his dominating win over Frankie Edgar with that front kick to the face in the third round. So this is an enticing fight. Two guys as well that, yes, Rob Font's a phenomenal boxer, the New England cartel and those fellas. But he's a pretty solid, well-rounded guy. And Vera, much of the same. The X's and O's in this fight are very very fascinating yeah dom I, I i completely agree with the x's and o's being very interesting but i will say and i know you've done this before <laughs> when you say dominant when that victory over frankie Edgar, i think you mean the finish was just very yes yes <laughs> quite the stamp on that fight yeah but the fight itself was very even and i think a lot of people thought frankie Edgar was on his way to a victory there right now all credit to marlon vera for finishing that fight in the third round and uh you know, doing it in such emphatic fashion, but I'm, 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 I struggle with really knowing how Marlon Vera. I love like just his story, his personality, his, his yeah. character. Just, he, he just seems very, um, 
obviously like dedicated to what he's doing. He's very articulate in his thoughts, but he's about it. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's, yeah. he's truly born for this. And, um, but I've had a hard time really figuring out how good really is he? I know he's really good, but is he championship level? Yeah. Is he contender level? I don't know if a win over Rob Font necessarily answers that question because I think you could ask the same question about Rob Font still. True. But Rob Font is like the last guy out, you know, yes. that, of a true contender right now. So a win over him would tell me a lot. And, you know, the 25 minutes, Dane, I know I asked it to you as a question. I don't actually think it will end up being much of a factor here, if I'm being honest, because I think both guys – are going to be good for 25 minutes. I agree. Rob he's got great cardio, like you said. Both 25-minute fights have went the distance to 425. While for Marlon Vera, while he's never done 25 minutes, he's also – his his output, he's kind of a slow and methodical yes. fighter. Yes, So he, you're not exerting as much energy as, you know, some of these guys that come out just super aggressive, super um, – violent early so because of that i don't see that playing much of a factor but um you know for for rob fond i feel like you know while his boxing is his go-to marlon vera has been susceptible to leg kicks in the past um so being able to mix up his strikes is probably going to help him out marlon vera man is just he's he's very solid everywhere it's really hard to find a lot of holes in his game um so when you do have them you gotta you gotta really maximize on that as you can. So it's interesting. You're right. Marlon Vera, three fight winning streak here. Who knows what could be next for him with the win? I mean, that would put right. him in the top five and he's a guy that does kind of have that swagger about him that maybe he could find himself in a pretty big high profile matchup next. And for Rob Font, you gotta right the ship. That's that's really what this it's a get right fight, but it's there's no gimme fights in the UFC. So he's gonna have to admit Make it a pretty difficult one to get it there. Oh, yeah. Those are the storylines right there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the PFL. More on the UFC later. That's right. PFL is actually airing on the day we're releasing this. So we'll actually get to talk about it a little bit here. Preview Thank it goodness. for you. Heavyweights and featherweights for this week. And we got Bruno Capeloza in the main event. That is our heavyweight tournament winner from last year. Uh, Lance Palmer is in the co-main event. He is the 2018 and 2019 featherweight winner that came up short, went 0-2 yeah. last season. And I remember we talked about that a little bit when it happened. And the, the question was, has the talent just caught up to him or was it just an off year? You know, you just yeah. don't know because you're fighting so, you're so active during this portion of the year. Who's to say he's not fighting hurt because he wants that million so bad. So for him, to me, the most intriguing storyline on this card yeah. is got to be Lance Palmer coming back here against Chris Wade. Chris Wade, finalist last year, lost to Movlid Haibulayev in the uh, championship uh, fight. So for Lance Palmer, to me, just knowing, can he get right? Is this Was it just an off year, or is this truly just the talent's kind of passing him by here? That's the big storyline for me on week two. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the pick em fight of the week if you want to take something from the betting show, right? I mean, this fight is such a toss-up, you know, with Lance struggling so much last year but being so dominant in the past. You know, and even before that, he was winning with World Series of Fighting before they even transitioned into PFL. I mean, he's been with this company and this ownership group for years and years, and he's been successful at it, 22-5. and five, But Chris Wade, 20-7, and seven, much of the same, been molded within the PFL as well. So that's a phenomenal matchup. Uh, obviously, I'm excited to see if Bruno can keep this momentum going. What a storyline it was for him last year, mm-hmm. starching everyone up until that fucking insane main event that we talked about. It was on our surprising fight of the year list last year at the Joey's. Uh, so can he kind of continue this momentum that once, you know, we're talking about a guy that was 10 and 5 and then all of a sudden came in last year. And that's kind of the storyline. We talked about it on Monday. These guys can come in make a million bucks, and just change their whole life. And that's the beauty of this regular season and what the PFL does. So uh, that's exciting. Hennon era, an absolutely massive human being, six foot eight. <laughs> He's going to have an 8-inch height advantage and 11-inch reach advantage over Jamel Jones, the other heavyweight main card fight. That's absolutely insane. 
But honestly, the biggest thing for me, I'm going to be watching Brendan Lockney, Noah. This is a guy that was on the Contender Series. He did not get a contract, even though he had his winning efforts. You know, And he was winning in the PFL last year, but lost when it mattered the most. Wasn't able to go through those playoffs. Wasn't able to get into the finals. But a guy that has so much hype behind him, 32 years old, right at the tail end of his prime. Can he put it all together? Can he make the run this year? There's a lot of eyes on this guy. That's the storyline for me to watch out for. I will mention one fight from the prelims that I want a lot of people to try to keep an extra eye on. Bubba Jenkins versus Kyle Botchniak. Yep. That is a great fight. Honestly, probably worthy of being on a main card. Actually, did it get bumped to the main card? Because they 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 shifted the card around. So now it's a five-fight main card instead of a four. But I don't know what the fifth fight is. On I think it's the other heavyweights. I have the picture. Right That's right. Yeah, actually, you're right. I did see it. Yeah, yeah okay. Dennis Golstev and Cody Goodell. But this is a great way to kind of cap off your prelims. Kyle Bosniak, yes. while not a very well-known name, had a lot of fun fights in the UFC. Um, Bubba Jenkins, we know that he can be a very fun fighter to watch from last season. So, uh, yeah, you got a lot of big names on here. I mean, Capaloza and Lochnain are the two biggest names on this card. And, you know, the question for them really, it's not even a question. It's just they're such big favorites that the expectation yeah. is to win and win emphatically. So anything right. less than that, maybe we'll have some takeaways there. And, yeah, like Hennon for Harrow, Jamel Jones, I mean, that's a that's a crazy size difference right yeah. there. Um, so a lot of good fights on here. This is out of the first three for the PFL. This is probably the weakest of the three on paper, but still you got like Capelos and Ante Delia still on this card. And those yep. guys are capable of, we saw what they're starting people. So yeah. Fantastic stuff. Right. Oh yeah. We got more from the UFC card later, not more from the PFL that, but we do have some news to go over here and Dominic, do you remember? I do, because we just talked about it on Monday, these guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this this headline's totally a double meaning right <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. So we're here to talk about John Jones and Steve Miocic again, um, the fight that we hesitantly talked about because Dana White's finally kind of being vocal about wanting to make that fight happen this summer. Well, then John Jones tweeted the other night, Dominic, that Stipe will not be, or is he? He is saying that Stipe said he will not be at a hundred percent until September. Yeah. Therefore, making that the likely date for that fight to happen, shall it occur? John Jones went on to say in the tweet that like he's disappointed, but he knows that that's the heavyweight goat. That's who he wants to fight, so he will wait until then to make his debut at heavyweight. My question is. Let's say that is the move here. Let's say that the UFC goes, okay, they they don't, you know, Steve A needs till September, fine. We won't do it till September. Is that the right move in your opinion? Like is 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 it worth saving to make this fight happen for perhaps a end term heavyweight title? Is it worth it that much that we should delay it till September? Or do you think it's a necessity to kind of have a interim heavyweight champion come by the end of summer? I mean, it, it sucks on one end because it's not going to be like International Fight Week, the biggest week mm-hmm. of the year for the UFC type deal. But it, see, it, it seems even more likely now that this is the direction they're moving after seeing this tweet from John. And I've got to say, too, I'm just going to tie in some more heavyweight stuff because I saw tweets today. Tom Aspinall saying he's got fight news coming. Curtis Blade saying he's got fight news coming. They're looking. Hashtag Curtis Blade's Curtis Blade's Twitter. Twitter. Yes. Well, that came out of the blue, by the way. Good, <laughs> good on Curtis Blade's. But, uh, you know, they're looking to headline in, in July in London. I'm assuming maybe those two together. But either way, there's a lot of stuff moving right now at the top of this heavyweight division. There's even a fight with Derek Lewis we're going to talk about later. Not as impactful as these, but you get that point. It's just the wheels are moving. We're getting fights booked. But yes, that interim fight, especially like if you're wanting to see, you know, say even Taito Ibasa fights this summer, they're wanting to kind of let everything else play out. Then they get the interim title fight. It could even become an undisputed title fight for all we know by that point. So I think that's just kind of the UFC getting the wheels rolling and it all is going to, you know, snowball into John Jones versus Stipe. That's kind of what I'm viewing at this point. We'll see what happens. But yes, I, I think even more so now, like, it makes sense, and it feels even more real than what it did on Monday, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, so, obviously, it was never for sure that this right. fight was going to be made for the summer. It seemed like the assumption was that it was going to be on one of those two July cards. Yeah. 
Now, the whole time, even though that's what I thought as well, I was wondering how they were really going to make that work because before that fight was being sort of tossed around in that time frame, we pretty much know with somewhat certainty that one of the main events or the two, two of the title fights for those two cards is going to be Usman versus Edwards and then Adesanya versus um, Cannoneer. Cannoneer. So neither of those guys feel like co-main events in right. my opinion. Like I feel like those three fights all being in that July time frame, Doesn't... one of those, that means one of those fights is going to be a co-main and I just yeah. don't see any of those being co-main events. So, you know, obviously again, I, I have this knee jerk reaction coming off of the Nganu Tyson Fury stuff to be like, well, we kind of need to just move on in a way, not move on, but we need a heavyweight champion because yeah. it's going to be a real shame if come January Nganu doesn't resign, goes and does that Tyson Fury fight, and perhaps never fights in MMA again. So while I'm not a proponent of interim champions, especially uh, not in the way the UFC tends to use them, here it feels like even though, again, maybe the root of the issue with Nganu is the UFC's fault, I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying that the situation is what it is. And I think we need a heavyweight champion, at least someone who, a defending heavyweight champion, even if it's in an interim status until we get full closure on this Nganu situation and a clear direction on it. Because right now, there's no nothing's going to be made up till January. So right. it's kind of hard to go without a heavyweight champion until then. So um, I think that's the, the, the way that this needs to go. But um, September... It's fine. I mean, I'm I'm not. Yeah. Again, I want to see the fight as soon as possible, but that's fine. And you know, it's so interesting. I feel like Stipe. I feel like every. It feels like Stipe does this quite a bit, doesn't he? He. Yeah. He definitely doesn't take fights unless he feels he's a hundred percent ready yeah. to go. That's and true. I mean, I can't say. Any, I'm not. That's not a slight on him at all. I know some people do take fights less than a hundred percent. Well, most of the time, I think fighters do yeah. less than a hundred percent, but. Uh, Stipe recognizing his place at this point, his age, and maybe perhaps some physical limitations at this right. point. He's not taking a fight unless he feels he is 100% ready to go, and I respect the hell out of it. Yeah, man. The days of our lives at heavyweight rolls on. <laughs> it really does. Uh, moving on from there, we got some one championship news, Dominic. Whew. United States viewers of one shall be happy to hear yes. that one is going to Amazon Prime Video. You know, they they wrapped up their their, their deal with TNT. Um, they had a few fights there. That that deal felt like such a big deal when it happened, and then it feels like it never really went anywhere. They used it yeah. for like three weeks. It was like was three it. or four weeks, and that was kind of all, all she yeah. wrote. And, you know, I'm not sure what the behind the scenes on that deal was, but here we got a five-year deal with... 12 annual events live on U.S. prime time, meaning these events will be airing on a time that would suit us United States fight fans. So I'm sure a lot yep. of people are going to be really happy to hear that. Uh, Dominic, does this feel like uh, a good move for one to go to Amazon Prime? Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a big-time deal for them, a long-term deal, too, at five years. Uh, you know, 12 annual events is quite a lot to be you know, on our prime time. And I almost wonder if they even want to dabble in does one venture and hold an event in the United States, maybe once or twice, you know, I'm curious to see if it even evolves into that down the line, say it's successful. I know they're looking to announce the full schedule of things here later this year. So I'm excited uh, to see when kind of the first one will come about. But yeah, this is a big time step for them. Again, we've kind of talked about it. We've honestly just gotten recently into one, like as a, in more of a hardcore capacity that is. And so I think it's always been kind of the thing for them. And, you know, with our domestic audience here in the States, when you're putting on fights that are at three, four five in the morning, obviously you're not going to get as many eyes as you would like from over here. And obviously it's massive in Asia. So it's not like they're sweating it, but uh, this just adds more eyes to their sport, more eyes to their organization. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, streaming seems to be the way to go right now. Yep. Uh, you see a lot of fight promotions popping up on streaming services, even stuff like, you know, Combate 
is over on uh, Paramount Plus and stuff like that. So um, Amazon Prime, I mean, that's a that's a great one to get because everybody has Amazon Prime. Mm, I yeah. Feel like. yeah. So Amazon Prime Video uh, is just a, it's a very because if tell me if I'm wrong because actually I don't have Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, if you have Amazon Prime, like for shopping purposes, that gives you you're, you're also paying for Amazon Prime Video, right? Like right. Yeah, my mom had Amazon Prime, and for the longest time, like a whole year, didn't utilize the fact that she had video until yeah. just a month ago. She logged in. She's like, "Oh, we can watch movies and stuff." I'm like, "Oh, good to know." Yeah, but, I I thought so because my mom has it, and she's told me that she's watched movies on Amazon yeah. Prime Video, but I. I wasn't sure, but okay. So because of that, you have people that maybe, like you, like you just said, aren't that aware yeah. of even the, or maybe just aren't big movie fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they already have it. Like it's you're not, even though streaming is still a much cost effective way to kind of get an audience rather than like pay per view yeah. or forcing people to have cable or whatever, but. This is a service that most people already have for other purposes. Yeah, at no additional cost. Yeah. You know? So I mean, it's a really easy sell in that way. And yeah, I mean, this is this is big for one. I think I really think this is going to be a big deal for them. I hope so. I mean, we're talking twelve events a year yes. for five years. I mean, that's a lot of events to hold and be committed to, especially when you're trying to tailor it more to a domestic audience. Because one thing about one. They know that their audience is rabid and huge in their market, and they always appeal to that market. They they don't cut any corners for the United States folk. They they say no. You watch at our time. You pay your thirty dollars to watch one X. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, and and you watch it like the rest of us at five in the morning. Yeah, uh, especially when you got to go to a trip to Columbus that day. Okay, (laughs) so I I digress. This is great. I I can't complain. I'm sure. A lot of our faves are going to be, you know, a lot of the recognizable faces are going to be getting booked. Demetrius Johnson probably going to have a big uh, effect on this. Did you hear the the little tidbit, um, not to transition away from this, but uh, from PFL's heavyweight champion, he was on, or not PFL, sorry, one, their heavyweight champion was on uh, the MMA Hour today. Oh, okay. And um, he said that, before because i guess he announced he signed a new multi-year multi-fight deal with one and before he resigned though apparently the ufc was attempting to trade henry cejudo for him yeah i saw that so kind of interesting there uh maybe that's something to talk about at a later date but um I at least find it interesting, like the idea of one maybe getting someone like Henry Cejudo. I mean, that would be that would be really great, I think, yeah. for them. So, um, I could see one making a couple big moves to try to again build another more of an audience in the United States. I could see that. Yeah, we've seen one trade. We'll see if they do it again. <laughs> that's right. Now let's move on to some fight announcements, but we start with a fight denouncement, and yeah. that's because Andre Korishkov is unfortunately out. Of his scheduled bout with Paul Daly. This was supposed to happen. Bellator London, May 13th. It's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be Paul Daly's retirement fight. Does he get a replacement, you think? Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. I thought I saw someone tweet about it, but I don't remember names. Yes, I think they'll keep him on that card. He's from London, right? So, is he? I think. Well, yes. I mean, he's from the UK. Or, yeah, from UK, yeah. So that's why he's on so this I'm... card. Yes. they're <laughs> Sorry, definitely... I don't know my geography that well. I, I'm pretty I... sure. UK, sorry. But, uh, yes, I think they're definitely going to keep him on that card. <laughs> they're going to get him a replacement. Give him his uh, swung song, if you will. People are going to be shitting on you for not knowing that he's from that he's from the UK. I was you just confirming. That, have you heard that accent? Come on, Dom. Sorry. Uh, next up. Saeed Nurmagomedov, not related to Habib, oh. is back and fighting Douglas Silva de Andrade on oh. July 9th. And also on July 9th, Kayo Bohayev taking on Armin Petrosian. Ooh. We got we got Prospect Delight on this card, Dominic. Yeah, this is wonderful matchmaking here uh, at one, one apiece. I'll start with Saeed. You can even go into Kayo. It, Saeed versus Douglas Silva de Andrade is amazing. That's such an awesome stylish fight. Saeed obviously is... Phenomenal grappler, but even better on the feet. So good, so dynamic. 
much different than some of the other, you know, Dagestan wrestlers that we've seen. And Douglas Silva de Andrade just had an insane come from behind knockout win in his last fight against someone that was a huge favorite over him. I can't remember the name. That's why I'm saying someone. <laughs> this fight should be fireworks. Yes, I'd lean towards Saeed, but after Douglas's last performance, there's no way I'm counting him out of that fight at all. Yeah, 100%. And for Caio and Armin Petrosian, I mean, those are two guys that had really good performances on the Contender Series, and you saw how Caio looked in his last outing, even though it kind of ended in yeah. weird fashion. Uh, less said about that, the better. But he looked great. And Armin Petrosian was in an absolute war with Robocop, yeah. Gregory Rodriguez. So uh, I expect that fight to be pretty violent on July 9th. July 23rd, Alexander Gustavsson is going back to light heavyweight. He was announced to be fighting Ben Rothwell. Then Ben Rothwell got released by the UFC, is now signed with Ben Uncle FC. And now Gustavsson's going back to light heavyweight, and he's fighting Nikita Krylov, top 15, still in the light heavyweight division. Are you – is there any excitement with this fight announcement, Dom, for you? Man (sighs) – I guess not too much. It's it's weird really? though, man. Like yeah. Gus was so good. Gus was severely underrated, I think, mm-hmm. talent at one time in his prime. But then this these these experimenting back and forth with heavyweights and the retiring and the unretiring. Is he gonna look good at two of five and Nikita Krylov, a guy that's a super tough test, fresh matchup though, which is fun. This is Krylov's chance to beat a pretty decent name, even though Gus has been retired in and out for a while. I I I'm not as excited as I wish I was. How about that? See, I I'm more excited for this than I was when he for him at heavyweight he was doing another heavyweight bout. Fair. Again, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have minded if he wanted to continue trying that out. But we, I just think it showed in his frame when he fought. Yeah. Um, Fabricio, he he just doesn't bulk well. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's long like, and tall but not yeah. big, you know. Like it felt like he was more just packing pounds yes. in the stomach rather than putting it in his arms, his legs. Like he was it was a strange yeah. build. Um so I'm I'm actually am excited for this. I'm glad that he's given a top fifteen opponent because I actually think Gustavson's maybe being a bit underestimated based on kind of the last string of performances. I mean the Fabrizio fight, he ends up on his no. back, like it was kind of a scramble, ends up on his back. You're going up against Fabrizio Verdum, you're going to get choked out most yeah. times when that happens. There's been a little bit of bad luck, I think, is what I'm saying. And, you know, yeah, he didn't look great against John Jones the second time, but again, John Jones is John Jones. I mean, yeah. the, the activity's been waning for Alexander Gust- Gustafson, but I still feel like the guy can be something still, still has some talent left. And here against Krylov, who, you're right, uh, does have an opportunity to get a big win, but is perhaps past his best days as well. So in a way, it's kind of a – it can be a very beneficial fight for either guy because, yes, for Krylov, the biggest name maybe on his resume if he gets a win. And for Alexander, it's right back into the top 15 with the win over a guy who maybe – is vulnerable enough to where he's not fighting at a top 15 level, but it gives you the credibility yeah. of a top 15 win. So yeah. I like the fight a lot is what I'm saying, but not necessarily for like, <laughs> I like the fight for each guy individually, um, but it's not necessarily because the fight quality is necessarily like amazing. It's mm-hmm. just, I think it's a beneficial fight can be for either guy here. Yeah. Uh, lastly, this one was kind of a surprise. UFC 277, July 30th. Derek Lewis said, I want to stay active. This guy. <laughs> he he don't still care. Rank, still ranked number five at heavyweight, and he's taking on Sergey Pavlovich, it looks like. Coming off of a pretty pretty solid knockout win at UFC London against... Um, I just said Shamil Abdurahimov. Yeah, Shamil. So... Number five versus number eleven here, and if any, I mean this matchup speaks a lot to me, like a lot of Lewis's last few matchups, like Dawkins, yep. Taito Ivasa. Um, it's Lewis who's so experienced and you know a veteran at this point, a guy who always has a puncher's chance, but is deceptively talented in more ways than he's given credit for. Taking on some hot shot, uh, younger less experienced, perhaps more 
technically savvy fighter. Yeah. And and the question is, can he get another victory? Can he can he get another KO for that already record he had set a while back? I think so. Um, I I'm I'm a you know this fight's I'm okay. Like to me, Pavlovich is still like a wild card to me. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure. We 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 went a whole two years without seeing this guy fight, and he comes back and yes he he looked good against Abdurrahimov, but you know Abdurrahimov's already kind of passed his expiration date as well, so it's an interesting fight. But I definitely don't see it going all fifteen minutes, so that's promising. Yeah, that's true. This is um, I respect the hell out of Derek for always fighting whoever. The guy doesn't care. But this one, like, you know, the Chris Dawkins one had some risks to it, and he won, right? So it paid off. Ty didn't feel as risky because Ty's just such a big name and so popular. This one feels risky. Like, should Derek Lewis lose? That's probably the end of the road in terms of, like, high-level, top-five, you know, contender-type stuff. This, I think, would take him out for the remainder of his career in terms of title talks. So, you know, on one end of the spectrum, Sergey's trying to storm in after you said such a long layoff. He came back and looked great, but now this is like your first, really, this is his first real big test mm-hmm. uh, in this heavyweight division. So I'm, I'm excited for it. It shouldn't go the distance. It's just interesting storylines for this one. If I'm not misremembering here, Pavlovich, his last fight before that two-year layoff was his first main event, his first real test, and that was where he got uh, put away pretty quickly by Alistair Overeem, I believe. That was okay. back in like 2019, yeah. he did lose 2018. To him. So um, that, you know, it didn't take him long, or I guess long fight-wise. It literally took him just a couple fights to get right back to where he left off. But um, two, you know, two years later, is the shine gone? Is the potential still there? You know, yeah. That's that's kind of the question. And I went over Derek Lewis, though. I mean, what that could do for Pavlovich, who that's big. Is, who, yeah, that would be pretty big. So, July thirtieth, UFC two seventy seven. We'll find out. Whew. Now let's get on to the rest. We got a few, couple more fights for this UFC card. Co-main event: Andre <laughs> Arlovsky is back, and he is looking to tie. The UFC wins record. I can't believe I'm saying that. Mm, he's taking mm-hmm. on Jake Collier, the former middleweight, former light heavyweight, now heavyweight. Yes. So this matchup is literally copy paste all of Arlovsky's last like five or six fights. Just yep, heavyweight that's like ten years younger than him. Probably has about thirty less fights than him. Yep, you're checked two boxes so far. Who? <laughs> Ain't that good? <laughs> Check that one. And you you put them you basically sink or swim, kid. That's yes. what they're saying here. Yep. You know, you see some of these guys passed the Orlovsky test. Uh, Tom Aspinall recently. Yeah. Tai Ivaso passed that test back in the day. In uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rosenstroik, <laughs> you know those guys. But then you see Chase Sherman and some of these other guys that. They can't do it. Carlos Felipe, you know, yeah. these guys, they just... Arlovsky, it's so crazy because he was like the these guys at one time. Long he, ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a heavyweight champion when the UFC's heavyweight division was probably at its weakest point. Yeah. At least that's how most people see it. You know, when Tim Sylvia and him were having their trilogy, Tim Sylvia seems to get much of the flack for that era. Yeah. But Arlovsky was a champion at that time too. And deadly he was. I mean the guy with crazy right hand knockout power. He was chiseled. I mean had mm. the fang mouthpiece. He had the look yes. of a true prize badass. fighter. Yeah, yes. badass. Um fell off. His chin just wasn't holding up. He he left the UFC kind of uneventfully, even on a win, I think, but it was like on the prelims. Um, he goes and gets, honestly, kind of has a tough run of things the next few years. Ends up at strike force, getting knocked out a few times. Got knocked out at Affliction by Fedor. It looked like that was the end for him, around 2011. And then the UFC brings him back around 2014. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I, I've... Re- 
went back and watched some of the pundits at the time, what they were saying about this, and they thought it was like a goofy move. They're like, you would have thought they were telling, like you were, you, you would have thought that someone had told them that the UFC was going to have a 43-year-old on the Ultimate Fighter. Like, it was just like the, what the fuck? Like, what's happening? This is stupid. I see like, what you why did would there. You, why, like, why are you doing this? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. And Arlovsky at the time nearly wins his way to a heavyweight title shot, loses to Stipe yeah. in a title eliminator. And we know what happened with Stipe after yep. that. Arlovsky goes on like a six fight losing streak. <laughs> yep. And now here he is just winning again. Like I don't this guy, you can't you can't take him out. Like you might you might win the battle, but Arlovsky's gonna win the damn war. And I'm behind him hundred percent, Dominic. Like Jake Collier, thank you. You were my first winning ticket in MMA uh ever because he kept that fight with Chase Sherman under a round and a half. So thank you for that. But Jake Collier does not have near the the experience, near the fight IQ, near the the skills needed to win this a fight with a modern day Andre Arlovsky. I just don't think he has it. Yeah, Andre Arlovsky by decision. I know we don't do predictions. <laughs> That's my mantra. I'm gonna get that tattooed on me someday. Andre Arlovsky by decision. Say it with me, guys. Andre Andre Arlovsky by decision. decision. All right, Dominic, now you talk. Uh, You said it all. I'm excited. (laughs) Hey, Andre, seriously, can, yes, tie the win record, you said, or break it? He'll be tied with, I think it's Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone. Yeah, and this guy's won three in a row. He could make it four. And I know that you called, it's been a long time, but Arlovsky title shot, it's coming. I, that was in an episode. I wish I remember. I think it was I think it was before he fought Tom Asphodel. So. It might have been. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and that just shows, too, that, you know, how much we've covered him since this show started. The guy's active. He's 43 years old, but he fights eight times a year. It's absolutely insane. He's looking to just add more feathers to the cap. What There's never been a career and never will be again like Andre Arlovsky. And in all seriousness for Jake Collier, like, the, it, it always seems like it always seems so easy, right? When these guys like Chase Sherman, like yeah, like Carlos Felipe, when they get in there, the, it's always like, okay, you're the younger, more athletic, more powerful fighter at this point. You have a better chin. Yeah, just go in there and knock him out. But nobody seems to be able to do it. He's kind of nope. a puzzle in there nowadays. He he fights a very. I mean, it's not the most exciting style anymore, but he he keeps He's himself safe. He is risk averse, and yes. it, and yet he squeaks out these decision victories time after time. He does it with a mixture, like I said. He's adapted over the times to a, a certain skill set, but he's also just got a very high fight IQ and uses all that wealth of experience, wins and losses, to really guide him through these much less experienced opponents. And for Jake Collier, I wish you well, but I don't wish you a victory here, if I'm being honest, because I love Andre Arlovsky. I'll be biased here. Hey, I have to add one more thing, then we can move on from this fight. <laughs> Look at Andre taking up all the airtime. Jake Collier, he's 5-5 five and five in the UFC. His last fight was the win against Chase Sherman, right? Yeah. Well, in his career in the UFC, he has one loss, one loss, so, 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 on, so on and so forth. Well, he's coming off of a win. Andre Arlovsky by decision, people. Yeah, see, there you go. Say it with me. <laughs> there it is. Next up, a very interesting one here. Joe Anderson Brito, who lost a very close, very fun decision fight to, um, oh, oh, God, I'm forgetting his name. Dom, I forgot his name. Uh, he kind of get. I remember I mean, some people. Some people weren't too happy with him because he kind of. You talk about the fight. I'll look it up. Anyways, Joe Anderson Brito's zero and one in the UFC. He comes off that loss and gets an arguably better fighter as his next opponent, and Andre Feely, a guy who has more experience in the UFC than. Bill Algios, who he Bill Algio, thank you. Yeah. I sorry, Bill. That I, was a good fight. We are fi- we are fans of you, Bill. I'm yes, sorry. True. But um, he's getting a guy now with more experience in the UFC. Dare I say, maybe a little bit better than Andre Feely. I mean, Bill Algio is good, but Andre Feely's a Andre Feely's dog, been fight. He's fought everybody, and he's yes. still very young, very athletic guy. It's a great fight on paper. But it's such a tough draw for Brito. But it almost makes me think that the UFC still see a lot in him mm-hmm. that he's being given such tough matchups early on here. 
yeah, th- this sh- this should be a fun fight, man, for Brito. You win on the Contender Series, you look good. You come in, have a scrappy first fight, but you lose. No one wants to start 0-2 in the UFC. Andre Feely, like you said, has been there and done that. That's why he's a minus 260 favorite on the betting lines. But uh, I think this is going to be scrappy. I think it's going to be a dog fight, and uh, it should be fun, man. I don't know. Minus 260, I get it. But Brito, looking to make a statement, that's a dangerous man. Now, if I remember right, Joe Anderson Brito's fight on the contender series was that weird one that they got a he got a contract, but it was I think it was either the first or second episode of the season because that's when every winner got a contract. Yeah, and he that was might the even fight. Been the loser got one too. It could have been, but I think this is the one where there was like multiple fouls committed by mm. Brito. I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, it was kind of like some people were like, well, why'd you give that guy a contract? Like he kind of, he won, he looked good, but also he was, I don't know, it was a weird fight. However, he's kind of proving that at least with that first performance, yes, he lost, but to hold up that much against Bill Algio and really take it to him, I think it says a lot. And uh, we'll see how he looks here against Feely. I expect a really fun fight, though. Yeah. And lastly, perhaps the sweepstakes to fight to be Andre Arlovsky's next opponent, Alexander Romanov, a real prospect here in the heavyweight division. He's taken on Chase Sherman, the guy that I just mentioned previously. Alexander Romanov, like a minus 2,200 favorite, you <laughs> yeah. informed me yeah. before recording. Um, look, Chase Sherman has had a tough run in the UFC. We actually misspoke on our uh, Nosebleeds episode that he, well, last week, like, we had his UFC record on there, but that was just for the last run. Yep, I saw that. He had a whole other tenure before that. His record in UFC is not pretty. Yeah, it's 3-8. Like and 3-8, and eight. yeah. So, uh, But there's a reason they keep bringing this guy back, because they really feel that there's something there. Yep. Now, I think it's going to be hard to ever see that Chase Sherman being, you know, I don't know, a real contender or anything. I mean, it's hard for me to even picture that in my mind, because... Yeah, you can say like those losses are teaching you a lot, but he's just not winning. He's yeah. just he's having a hard time winning, but we know he's got good power. Alexander Romanov, I'll just say, did have that one fight where he looked great, but he gassed terribly like yeah. in round two, and then he got kneed in the nuts in round three, just basically couldn't fight anymore, so then it went to a technical decision that he got the win in, but if that fight had continued... He might have lost. So, Romanov, besides that, though, Dom, pretty flawless. Yeah, and what else I'm intrigued by is that we did get to see uh, Media Day last week. This dude's shredded now all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, yeah. He definitely got he, in better shape. I mean, this guy that. was tipping the scales at, you know, 266, essentially. Now he's like 245, leaned out a lot. So, that is very interesting. People were saying last week, Chase Sherman got sick after he saw the pictures <laughs> of Romanov at Media Day. I'm glad they rebooked it. Uh, Chase Sherman, it's an uphill battle. I am just more excited to see Romanov. Can he keep this momentum? Can he right the ship? And this new frame, he could turn himself into a, like, a leg- he's already a prospect, but there's just something that feels different now with this tide. My, man, my man, Chase Sherman, he's just trying to see how many losses he can get before they cut him because sure. this man takes this fight on like a, less than a week's notice. Then he gets sick and can't fight. But says, I'll turn around a week later. Do you have a death wish, Chase Sherman? Come he on, signed dog. a new contract last week, too, when he got this fight. Chase Sherman did? Chase Sherman signed a new contract when he took this fight. Hey, man, all respect. Hey, you, do you do your thing, Chase Sherman? Do it. Get the money. You might lose, but damn it, you're going to look good while doing it. There you go. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for us here. Damn it, I forgot to do the intro. Oh, what the uh, Oh God, Dom! We for episode two hundred, we forgot. I know. Look, you can find Dominic on Twitter, Instagram at dsleep fourteen. You can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram at baj underscore mma podcast. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, it's right above Dom's pretty little head. And then for me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at ntbaker underscore. There's a link in the bio, link tree, list of links. Shout out to today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out. And now let's get into some closing statements before we head on out of here. This is just a part of the show where me and Dominic, just to get it, anything and everything off our chest, 
whether it be about MMA or not about MMA, just about life or whatever. So, Dominic, your closing statement for the viewers on this Thursday edition of the show. A quick thank you again for support throughout 200 episodes. And also, we're kind of in the thickens of uh, NBA playoff season. And I'm bringing this up because I was watching with my dad last night. The Grizzlies had a big-time comeback oh, against the Timberwolves. God, that game. Yes. Huge, crazy game. John Morant, fucking animal. Scored the last 13 points in a row for them. Mm-hmm. Did anybody see the poster that he had where he damn near jumped Ooh. from the free throw line? <laughs> I got up off the couch, almost spilt my drink, and went nuts. Who you guys got in the NBA playoffs? That's my question. John Morant Dude's a freak. literally puts up a new highlight like every day. I mean, He is a freak is... athlete. Crazy. I don't know who I have. Who would I predict to win at all right now? I mean, Boston Celtics look really good. Sweeping the nets. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, but then the Celtics, man, this team that they – this core has been kind of underachievers for a few years. So I don't know yeah. if it's just – but it seems to be coming together. Hard to count out the Bucks. You know, I love me some Giannis, man. 76ers um, with Harden now, man. Maybe the, maybe the Clippers. Oh, wait. They're – Okay, you son of a <laughs> – cut it, cut it. I can just end this. I'm knocking down you know, my setup. You know what's crazy? They don't even know. You guys, Dominic's a Los Angeles Clippers fan. What kind of person – he lives in BFE, Ohio, and he's a Clippers fan. How the hell does that work? Shout out Blake Griffith, baby. I, feel, I felt like Jerry Seinfeld right there. Like, what's up with the airline food around <laughs> here, guys? Uh, my closing statements. Do I have anything? Ooh, I'm going to give you guys a tip. Oh, what a segment this is. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I just shit, I just shit gold around here. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, and my closing sandwich. statement, <laughs> yeah, my closing statement for today, this beautiful episode 200, that has uh-huh. been a wild ride up to this point. Now we've yes. had to cut twice because I thought there was an intruder in my house and that's what my lesson's going to be about here, folks. Ow. Be careful when you go down the rabbit hole that is true crime on YouTube. I I got very invested over the last couple nights it of watching sense. true crime related content, especially like interrogation footage. And let me tell you that some of these stories are so twisted and dark that I can't even sleep with the lights off anymore. I was sleeping with the damn lamp on last night. I was like, someone's going to break into this house and fucking kill me. And it's going to be because I watch true crime on YouTube. So keep that in mind. If you, if, and plus, oh, my sister woke me up this morning before she left for work. And I like swung my arm at her, like, like, like almost like ready to go for wow. combat. Old school so WWE like, stuff. So literally, I mean, I'm, it's nightmares. It's everything. So just, you know, maybe don't do that before bed, you know, just. Take it from me as a guy who's struggling to cope now that I've went down this rabbit hole. We love you, Noah. Thank you. I love you, too. Now, that's going to wrap it up for all of us here. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you on Monday.